Chapter Three of God and My Neighbor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tavarish. God and My Neighbor by Robert Blatchford. The Sin of Unbelief. Huxley quotes with satirical gusto Dr. Wace's declaration as to the word infidel. Said Dr. Wace, quote, The word infidel perhaps carries an unpleasant significance. Perhaps it is right that it should. It is, and it ought to be, an unpleasant thing for a man to have to say plainly that he does not believe in Jesus Christ, end quote. Be it pleasant or unpleasant to be an unbeliever, one thing is quite clear. Religious people intend the word infidel to carry an unpleasant significance when they apply it to one. It is in their minds a term of reproach, because they think it is wicked to deny what they believe. To call a man an infidel, then, is tacitly to accuse him of kind of moral turpitude. But a little while ago to be an infidel was to be socially taboo. But a little while earlier to be an infidel was to be persecuted. But a little earlier still to be an infidel was to be an outlaw subject to the penalty of death. Now it is evident that to visit the penalty of social ostracism or public contumely upon all who reject the popular religion is to erect an arbitrary barrier against intellectual and spiritual advance and to put a protective tariff upon orthodoxy to the disadvantage of science and free thought the root of the idea that it is wicked to reject the popular religion a wickedness of which christ and socrates and buddha are all represented to have been guilty thrives in the belief that the scriptures are the actual words of god and that to deny the truth of the scriptures is to deny and to affront god but the difficulty of the unbeliever lies in the fact that he cannot believe the scriptures to be the actual words of god the infidel therefore is not denying god's words nor disobeying god's commands he is denying the words and disobeying the commands of men. No man who knew that there was a good and wise God would be so foolish as to deny that God. No man would reject the words of God if he knew that God spoke those words. But the doctrine of the divine origin of the scriptures rests upon the authority of the church, and the difference between the infidel and the Christian is that the infidel rejects and the christian accepts the authority of the church belief and unbelief are not matters of moral excellence or depravity they are questions of evidence the christian believes the scriptures because they are the words of god but he believes they are the words of god because some other man has told him so let him probe the matter to the bottom, and he will inevitably find that his authority is human and not, as he supposes, divine. For you, my Christian friend, have never seen God. You have never heard God's voice. You have received from God no message in spoken or written words. You have no direct divine warrant 
for the divine authorship of the scriptures the authority on which your belief in the divine revelation rests consists entirely of the scriptures themselves and the statements of the church but the church is composed solely of human beings and the scriptures were written and translated and printed solely by human beings you believe that the ten commandments were dictated to moses by god but god has not told you so you only believe the statement of the unknown author of the pentateuch that god told him so you do not know who moses was you do not know who wrote the pentateuch you do not know who edited and translated the scriptures clearly then you accept the scriptures upon the authority of unknown men and upon no other demonstrable authority whatever clearly then no doubt the doctrine of the divine revelation of the scriptures is not to doubt the word of god but to doubt the words of men but the christian seems to suspect the infidel of rejecting the christian religion out of sheer wantonness or from some base or sinister motive the fact being that the infidel can only believe those things which his own reason tells him are true he opposes the popular religion because his reason tells him it is not true and because his reason tells him insistently that a religion that is not true is not good but bad in thus obeying the dictates of his own reason and in thus advocating what to him seems good and true the infidel is acting honorably and is as well within his right as any pope or prelate that base or mercenary motives should be laid to the charge of the infidel seems to me as absurd as that base or mercenary motives should be laid to the charge of the socialist the answer to such libels stares us in the face socialism and infidelity are not popular nor profitable nor respectable if you wish to lose caste to miss preferment to endanger your chances of gaining money and repute turn infidel and turn socialist briefly infidelity does not pay it is quote, not a pleasant thing to be an infidel unquote. the christian thinks it his duty to quote, make it an unpleasant thing unquote, to deny the true faith he thinks it his duty to protect god and to revenge his outraged name upon the infidel and the heretic the jews thought the same the mohammedan thinks the same how many cruel and sanguinary wars has that presumptuous belief inspired how many persecutions outrages martyrdoms and massacres have been perpetrated by fanatics who have been jealous for the lord as i write these lines christians are murdering jews in russia and Mohammedans are murdering Christians in Macedonia to the glory of God. Is God so weak that he needs foolish men's defense? Is he so feeble that he cannot judge nor avenge? My Christian friend, so jealous for the Lord, did you ever regard your hatred of heretics and infidels in the light of history? the history of civilization is the history of successions of brave heretics and infidels 
who have denied false dogmas or brought new truths to light the righteous men the true believers of the day have cursed these heroes and reviled them have tortured scourged and murdered them and the children of the true believers have adopted the heresies as true and have glorified the dead heretics and then turn round to curse or murder the new heretic who fain would lead them a little further toward the light copernicus who first solved the mystery of the solar system was excommunicated for heresy but christians acknowledge now that the earth goes round the sun and the name of copernicus is honored bruno who first declared the stars to be suns and quote, led forth arcturus and his host unquote, was burned at the stake for heresy galileo the father of telescopic astronomy was threatened with death for denying the errors of the church was put in prison and tortured as a heretic christians acknowledge now that galileo spoke the truth and his name is honored as it has been demonstrated in those cases it has been demonstrated in thousands of other cases that the heretics have been right and the true believers have been wrong step by step the church has retreated time after time the church has come to accept the truths for telling which she persecuted or murdered her teachers but still the true believers hate the heretic and regard it as a righteous act to make it unpleasant to be an infidel after taking a hundred steps away from old dogmas and towards the truth the true believer shudders at the request to take one more after two thousand years of foolish and wicked persecution of good men the true believer remains faithful to the tradition that it quote, ought to be an unpleasant thing unquote, to expose the errors of the church the christians used to declare that all the millions of men and women outside the christian church would quote, burn forever in burning hell unquote. they do not like to be reminded of that folly now they used to declare that every unbaptized baby would go to hell and burn forever in fire and brimstone they do not like to be reminded of that folly now they used to believe in witchcraft and they burned millions yes millions of innocent women as witches they do not like to hear about witchcraft now they used to believe the legends of adam and eve and the flood they call them allegories now they used to believe that the world was made in six days now they talk mildly about geological periods they used to denounce darwinism as impious and absurd they have since cheerfully accepted the theory of evolution they used to believe that the sun revolved round the earth and that he who thought otherwise was an infidel and would be damned in the bottomless pit but now now they declare that christ was god and his mother a virgin that three persons are one person that those who trust in jesus shall go to heaven and those who do not trust in jesus will be lost and if anyone denies these statements they call him infidel are you not aware friend christian that what was infidelity is now orthodoxy it is even so 
heresies for which men used to be burnt alive are now openly accepted by the church there is not a divine living who would not have been burnt at the stake three centuries ago for expressing the beliefs he now holds yet you call a man infidel for being a century in advance of you history has taught you nothing it has not occurred to you that as the infidelity of yesterday has become the enlightened religion of today it is possible that the infidelity of today may become the enlightened religion of tomorrow civilization is built up of the heresies of men who thought freely and spoke bravely those men were called infidels when they were alive but now they are called the benefactors of the world infidel the name has been born good christian by some of the noblest of our race i take it from you with a smile i am an easyful old pagan and i am not angry with you at all you funny little champion of the most high end of the sin of unbelief